Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Change It Now with your host, Shelley Speaks. How are you guys doing this evening? <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday here in Las Vegas. It's finally cooling off and cooling off means the high is still in the 90s, but it's not uh, triple digits anymore. So tonight we have a featured guest. Um, her name is Carly Mattimore, and she is a co-author of the book Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa. And I am going to just give her a few minutes here to get on the line. Uh, let's see. Yeah, so Carly sent me her book a couple weeks ago, and usually I am able to finish the book before the interview. <laughs> However, um, this time, this this book, it's not one of those books that you can just read through really quick, okay? It's a very slow, delicious read where you take time to pause, if that makes sense. So that's what I've been doing. And like I said, even though I haven't gotten through the entire book, um, that is not going to prevent me from interviewing the beautiful Carly Mattimore tonight. So let's see what we can do here. So I'm actually waiting for Carly to dial in. So here she is. All right. So let's get her live. Hi, Carly. (laughs) Hi. Sorry about that. No problem. Welcome to Change It Now. I was just letting everyone know that I did not finish the book, and I think I think that's okay, because I was telling everybody it's not a book you just sit down and read through real quick. I have um, had very few people tell me they sat down and read it through. They digested yes. it in slow increments. Yes. Yes, yes. And I said, you know, it's just one of those books you read a section and you you sit with it for a moment, and it's 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 lovely. However, that does not uh, prevent me from <laughs> doing a beautiful interview with you. So welcome to the show. Um, Thank as I you. Said earlier, you're very welcome. Carly is the co-author of Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa. Um, there is a link in the episode information if you'd like to purchase the book. So, Carly, um, why don't you give us a little bit of background just for people who don't know you, have never heard of you, and then we'll just get into some of the things um, in the book. Awesome. Um, I'd be delighted to. Well, I am um, I'm on a spiritual journey, as many of us are right now, and I had a, a pretty – I'm a psychotherapist. 
um, and have been practicing um, after having had several real tragedies in my life, you know, with the loss of a husband um, in a car accident and several also um, earlier than that, um, some losses in my family of origin related to my father and sister. Uh, both of them also passed away. So there were these losses, but I also... You know, um, was the oldest of six children, so I grew up, you know, with a lot of responsibility, and I, you know, kind of went with that. I got a degree and, you know, knew I wanted to do something in psychology because it was really my passion. And actually, it's interesting because many years ago when I first started, you know, pursuing my education, I was really drawn to understanding primate behavior and animal behavior, and I thought I might want to be an, you know, ethnologist and study the behavior of animals, but I ended up working with humans and uh, getting a, a master's degree in clinical psychology. Um, and then um, and that was as a result of I have to raise my two small children here and the direction that I thought I was going to go is now moving into a new direction. So spirit, I guess, or life was really guiding me to these, these things. And so I, um, you know, I, I kind of took care of my own children. I remarried, and he had two children, and we had one together, so I raised five daughters. It was you know, an incredibly beautiful but challenging journey in a step family, as many of you probably know. It was There was a lot of new adjustments to many different kinds of things. Until, you know, further on in my journey, I had, you know, an, a, kind of a, an awakening. I went, you know, to a workshop that my husband had actually referred me to, and it was on shamanic um, psycho-spiritual healing. And it really wasn't the direction that I was thinking I was going, but again, I was sort of walking in this numb place because I had all this repressed stuff in my body, you know, and was really trying to do my best job that I ended mm-hmm. up um, out at Venus Rising and went through this process of going into moving this dense, heavy energy. So all my psychotherapy experience, which was wonderful, did not really give me or prepare me for understanding the bigger picture that we are energetic beings and that this trauma gets stored in the body. So that was my moving this trauma, having these synchronicities that just blew me out of the water that I could be so in relationship with nature and watch for these signs. And then I had a really big experience where in one of my shamanic breath work, which is a modality that Venus Rising Association used and now I use to access the states of consciousness, you know, what came to me was a white lion, you know, and called me, to, and actually not just a white lion, a, a woman who um, is known as the Lion Queen of Timbavati. She's since passed, but she came, you know, as as a vision and told me I needed to go to Africa. And that started me on the next part of this journey. Um, so, you know, in the meantime, I became an energy worker and deepened my work with my psychotherapy practice and then started on this this you know, this whole uh, connection to understanding um, life, basically, in a whole different, you know, from a different perspective, a different paradigm. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'm going to ask you some questions. And one of my targets when I'm interviewing someone that took the time to write a book (laughs) is Mm -hmm. to not give the book away. So if I ask you something that you know, you perceive will give the book away, just say, you know, tell them to buy the book <laughs> or, or, you know, wait for the book. Um, but I, I think I've kind of, I can touch on some things that we can talk about that will not give the book away. Um, so the first thing 
that I was just aware of with the book was kind of this theme of healing, separation, and wholeness. And my word for that is oneness. Okay. So what does that mean from your perspective, healing the separation and moving into wholeness? You know, I love that, Shelley, that, you know, it really is understanding, you know, that that we are um, all um, connected. And then I would say, and when we talk about healing the separation, it means to me that all the ways that we, you know, that we have disconnected from our um, birthright of of understanding that we are very intricately woven into the fabric of the universe, that we are actually microcosms of the earth, and and it represents a big hologram for us, and everything in the earth is a part of that one entity, you know, all of the beings on earth, nature is part of that entity, and we all are independent, and yet we are all interconnected. It's sort of like I like to use the analogy that our physical bodies themselves, you know, have all of these cells and each cell is responsible for something different and yet they're all interconnected. You know, we can't separate our body from all of those cells. Now, each of us are like each human, each plant, each animal, you know, each star is like a separate cell of the universe. And because of trauma, we have, we have you know, sort of like when we get a blockage in our own body, you know, due to some sort of trauma. You know, the body has to find a different way to go around that blocked area. So it it actually grows other other networks or, you know, other tendrils, so to speak, to bypass the blockage, but still can operate, you know, pretty functionally in the world. We have learned how to operate pretty functionally in our world, but we have disconnected and caused separation between us and nature. Nature has a vibrational frequency. Trees are a vibrational frequency. Animals carry a vibrational frequency and and different ones. Each animal carries a different frequency, but we have forgotten the language. The indigenous people were very much in relationship with the earth, but because of our own traumas, we created separation, separation from us and other. And then that, you know, because of that trauma, we're only operating with a fragment of our wholeness. Is that Mm. following me? Beautiful. Yes, yeah, and we're now reawakening those as we heal ourselves. We're remembering these languages. I mean, just look at what's coming forth in terms of the animal kingdom or the or the trees. I mean, it's always been there, but people are now having like life changing experiences as they reconnect with nature, you know, and know that we're not better than we are in relationship. We are co journeyers together. You know, co-creating, communicating, collaborating, and we are out of balance because of the traumas. Thank you. That was beautiful. (laughs) Now, for people that are learning or new, how would you describe what a shaman is from your point of view? You know, a shaman in traditional, you know, sense is the wounded healer, you know, mm-hmm. someone who's actually chosen in a particular community, you know, to hold that for the community, you know, to take the the wounds that he has and, and or she has and begin to heal them so that then they can offer their gifts 
to the community and, and serve as that channel. But we are entering a new age, you know, right now. And this age is the age of Aquarius in relationship you know, to the age of Leo. So we are moving in a completely different way, you know, to understanding that we carry this medicine in us. We no longer have to look outside of ourselves. So when mm-hmm. I talk about shamanic, you know, a shaman, I'm understanding as this if we go through this fast, rapid evolutionary change, we are awakening within us this knowledge. We don't have to look outside of ourselves for it. It is in us. And it's dormant DNA, you know, that we're activating so that we can come back home to ourselves. And shaman is shamanic because it means in relationship with all of nature. It's, you know, it's primal. It's 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 what we are, organic beings. And so when we heal our wounds, we become the wounded healers for ourselves. And then by vibrating that frequency, we support and carry this energy so that we can support others. You know, by just holding yes. that frequency to change yeah. everyone. I mean, to begin to awaken. Because we respond differently when we're healing ourselves. We don't go so easily to judgment and a negative judgment of the other. We don't go so Mm -hmm. easily to separation. We go more to acceptance and recognize that we each are on this path. And now we're so that's you and I do it. Yes. You and I connected a long time ago and I don't remember all the particulars, but I remember of course it was around the white lions of Timbavati. And I don't. That's right. Yeah. I don't remember if it was another book. I, I really don't remember, but I there remember. Was no book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that was the main connection. And I was so fascinated with them. And I started to dream about them. And that's, again, what has happened since I started reading this book. They're starting to dream about them again. So. Would it be appropriate, and you can let me know if it's appropriate or whether you want them to read in the book, but would it be appropriate to share that story of um, being in the the story, I think that um, the lady's name is, help me out here, Linda. Linda Tucker. Linda Tucker. Yes. Yeah. About the story when they're in the Jeep. Yeah. You know, it's a great story, you know, to share. And I read about it in the book, and Linda Tucker has it in her book, The Mystery of the White Lions, um, which I would highly recommend as well, because she's, you know, she's, um, you know, one of my mentors, you know, that um, helped me see, you know, um, and support me, because she's really been given the mantle as a keeper of the white lions and making sure that they are, are safe. But her journey, like any of our journeys, started with, you know, a, a situation that kind of expanded her consciousness. You know, she describes being in the jungle, you know, on a safari on break from, you know, her work in England, and she was in South Africa. And a white lion at that point, you know, they, they first started being seen in, in um, you know, a lot of in the 70s, although there were a few sightings before that, but basically in the 70s. And then they disappeared, like, for 11 years, and there were no white lions because they were all captured, either through trophy hunting or through putting them in zoos, because they were such a novelty. They were white, and they had blue eyes. And, and mm-hmm. so they just literally disappeared. 
but the gene was still carried by some of the lions. And so there was always this hope that maybe another one would be born. So she's at, she's on safari. They're sitting around a campfire at night and, you know, just talking, you know, like you do when you're in the bush. And, um, you know, they heard a lion roar, you know, and this, as I remember the story, is that lion's roar reminded the guy that one of the lionesses was about to give birth. And there was some hope that maybe this one would be the white lion. So they got into the jeep. And they went out into the bush, um, and it was dark, so it really was off hours, and so the radio was not hooked up. And they went, you know, and it's they went off road, and you know, which is what you do when you're tracking lions. And and they found the lions, but they ended up in the middle of a pride of lions, and angry lions because they had intruded on the space of a very sacred thing. A lion giving birth is a very sacred thing, and. Um, and she tells this beautiful and yet very, you know, um, uh, a scary story. About terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying, <laughs> terrifying of what it was like to be in a Jeep, you know, in the middle of a pride of angry lions, you know, when you have intruded and the Jeep breaking down and the Jeep did break down and, um, it, you know, it, the steering wheel came off and there really was no way for them to get out of this situation and they went through every, you know, thing that most of us do when we're in a terrifying situation, anticipating death. But out of the bush came a Native woman, um, you know, to much to their surprise. And this Native woman was carrying a baby on her back, you know, her granddaughter and uh, another small child, uh, and then an older, like a teenage boy. And they walked right through the pride. I mean, they walked through the pride of angry lions. And she got into, and they quieted, the, the lions actually quieted, and she got into the jeep, and and then um, a couple of them were able to go for help because the lions had become subdued, and, uh, and that, and they were saved, you know. Um, but Linda Tucker had such a life-changing experience from that. A couple years later, she came, and she found this woman, and she worked with this woman, and this is the woman who, you know, gave her the title as keeper of the white lions, and she has held that mantle strongly, um, you know, for years now, establishing the Global White Lion Protection Trust um, to keep them safe and to keep this lineage going. Um, but that that event was, you know, huge. And I, I know that I've had some of those little tiny pieces of that. What is it, you know, to be in that vulnerable place and to know that there's a this woman has something, an ability that we have lost, you know, to be able to communicate with lions. You know, and to be able to communicate from our hearts. That's the key mm-hmm. here, right? It's, it's just a heart-centered communication, you know, to remember that we can resonate with that frequency of animals, you know, and be in relationship with them. Beautiful. You know, and, and, and they were able to, to allow her to, you know, allow them to seek safety at that point. So Yes, I love that story. <laughs> And it's a great story, you know, and you know, she, you know, you could read more about it. I, you know, don't tell every single pieces of it, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's an informing story for us, you know, intrusion. Yeah. She tells that story on TED Talk, you know, from the lion's perspective. What would the mm-hmm. lions say about this experience? Yeah. You know, so that's another, you know, piece is that it's not just about us. It's you know, we all have these stories, or at least some of us have these stories. You know, I, you know, I can think now, having been to Africa seven times. Since I was first called, each time, you know, being in relationship with these lions and with nature in new ways 
and receiving these messages from them, you know, to support me and our world through these changes because we're going through fast evolutionary change right now on the planet. And yes. it, and it's it's like riding a roller coaster. I mean, it's really <laughs> talk about terrifying, you know. It is. And, and it yes, is there fast. Is, and yes, there is a bigger picture. And that's what yes. my book really is. It helps people see the bigger picture. Beautiful. So another question that I have. So there's a section on sacred messengers along the 31st parallel or 31st meridian. Would you share the importance or the significance of the 31st meridian? Mm, I would gladly, you know. Um, uh, one thing to understand, the 31st meridian, actually, if you took Earth and the Earth at one time, Earth, all the land masses, if you laid those land masses flat and you put them all together, which at one point we used to be one continent, you know, mm-hmm. it was Pangea, all right? Yes. So think of that Earth body, what that middle of that Earth body is. What would be its spine if it was a living, breathing entity? And it is a living, breathing entity. It does breathe. And it, if you drew the line through the center of it, that would be the 31st meridian. It's a sacred longitudinal meridian. It's actually, you know, Greenwich line is actually man-made. It was designed by, it was, and it's not the center of our landmass. It's, it's, it's off. So that's mm. why we're, it's the 31st. But it's interesting that it's the 31st because it's also, you know, four, which is about leadership, you know. So anyway, that 31st meridian it's like the macrocosm if we look at Earth as a holographic representation of us. And we are the microcosm of the Earth. Earth has a spine and we have a spine. Our spine is what divides our brain in half, right? Right and left. And mm-hmm. you know, it's and we are in the process right now of integrating that, right? We're trying to support ourselves in this integration of what sometimes we refer to as masculine and feminine, but it's really the right and left brain integration of the healthy qualities of these things so that we can, you know, and this goes back to the ways that we're separated. We can ground to earth and we can connect with sky so that we're no longer separated. So that 31st meridian corresponds with us, but in Africa, just like on our own spines, we have these, there are sacred sites. And these sacred sites and these animals, this is where humans are said to have first came from. It's our origin. And more and more um, revelations, you know, as we do, um, you know, uh, you know the, the work of understanding the significance of this time and place is showing how profound it is that we all came, humans came from this area along this spine of the 31st meridian. And along it are these amazing sites like the lions. The white lions are in Chimbavati that is on this line. The sphinx, the great sphinx in Egypt, it paused, sit at Giza on this meridian. Adam's calendar, which is a sacred astrological calendar that is at least 75,000 years old. It's like the oldest astrological calendar to, that we know of on the planet sits on this meridian. 
So they're, you know, they're the great Zimbabwe, you know, which is an ancient civilization, sits on this meridian. And, you know, there's many, many significant things that we have. This is the other thing that this has, this meridian, is that it's called the golden seam. It's where the gold under, along this seam is the gold, you know, in the earth. That is the conductor, you know, just like mm. we actually have gold in us, you know, along our seams. It's the conductor that reflects that the great above, which is the the line in the sky, you know, is, it's the Milky Way, you know, that reflects down on the 31st meridian, which land, which is, we can see these sacred sites and these sacred animals on the land, and in the you know, in the earth, it's the river of gold. So we have the rivers. Nile is also connected to this. Wow. Yeah, so there's a lot of significance with this 31st meridian, but, it, you know, it's the Great Rift Valley. I mean, there's so many things. It's where we find, you know, the first human that some say is connected to all of us, that all of our lineage. This is the origin of us. You know, wow. and we and what have we done to Africa? I mean, we refer to it as the dark continent, or we have tried to what you know. I mean, we have like abused its resources over and over and over again because this is the shadow part of us. This is the separation from the traumas. Yes. You know, and this is what we're remembering, re-remembering. We're bringing back parts of ourselves that we have lost to come home again to our wholeness. Cool. So, you know, this radio program, Change It Now, you know, is really to allow people to embody that energy instead of kind of, you know, in a simplistic form, instead of putting things off or I'll do that later or, you know, whatever that is, to really engage and not just be the change, not just kind of like decide the change, but to energetically be the change, the catalyst of change, wherever you be, whatever you're doing. And so there was a phrase in the book, and it was becoming agents of change. And then the other phrase that caught my eye was, instead of the word alignment, you used the word alignment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So from your perspective, what does it mean? You know, because everyone is not in a position or even required, you know, to, to do what you did and travel to Africa or, you know, what can people do in their lives to become the agents of change to facilitate, you know, this return to wholeness and to get out of separation? Mm, that's a really, really good question. You know, um, I think we really have to. If we're looking at this is the time of Aquarius and Leo, it is about em- embracing community and our own inner authority. You know, so being the change is going to be turning inward first. By you know, and I know this sort of cliche, but how do we put our own oxygen mask on first here? Mm-hmm. You know, how are we separated from aspects of ourselves? What parts of ourselves are we projecting onto others? You know, where do I find judgment, you know, that's harsh, you know, find myself and, and begin to look at that and say, where does that come from? You know, does it come from my own childhood conditioning because I had to 
I, you know, because most of us have childhoods that, you know, we would have had to defend, we had to develop defense mechanisms in order to, you know, to survive. So it's really, how do I look in my, look in the mirror at myself first, clean my own mirror, which is a Toltec thing. That's, a, you know, once I do that, then I'm able to come into how do I then be this, you know, um, you know, carry this um, into the world by um, by being a role model, you know, essentially for myself. And as I do that, then I can be much clearer in my actions to take action. Because I think that's the, really the big piece is that for us to change the world, we do it by 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 coming home to ourselves. That's the biggest thing we can do. What is it that I can do to take better care of myself and also, you know, not go into denial, not go hide under the covers, not become a recluse, not go and just act, you know, become an, you know, uh, a rebel, you know. It's like how do I consciously choose what's next for me to do in the world that speaks to my passion? So I think when we're living our passion, that's how we change the world. When we and we continually self-examine as we do it, there's, you know, we, our truth, my truth for today is not what my truth was five years ago or 20 years ago. So it's a continual re-examining of the truth as we do those things that we feel um, touch our hearts, you know, and do it with clear action. So yes. There are no bad yeah, and I always it's say a complex what, question. No. Yes. I always say, you know, what would the world be like if everyone was kind to themselves, you know, truly, truly kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, and that's a hard thing to do, you know, yeah. and yet that's, that's a big thing. When we're kind to ourselves, we're kind to others. When we nurture ourselves, yeah. we nurture others, you know, Absolutely. but we have to nurture first, otherwise it's out of alignment. That's, a, that's, that's the, that goes into the next piece. We want to be in <laughs> alignment, meaning we want to be in balance. Mm-hmm. You know, to be the lion means the lion is an apex predator, right? So ah, that was the my lion, next question. So what does that mean, apex predator? <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it means that it's the top of the food chain. And, if you know, if that animal, you know, or plant, or what, you know, is is able to meet its needs, in a, and nature is, just, is sustainable. It, you know, when it's in balance, everything thrives. Everything's in relationship with each other. When it is out of balance, just like when our bodies get out of balance, and I describe the disconnect, then then everything shifts. It's like, you know, we have an abundance of plants that aren't native, and they take over, and or we or animals that end up taking over, and then it changes the rivers, and it changes the seasons. Our climate right now, we're going through a climate crisis, in part because it's, out of balance, it's not in alignment. An apex predator helps to reestablish the balance in nature. Does that make sense? Yes. So we talk about, or you talk about in your book, awakening our spiritual warrior. And one of the things that was coming to me at the beginning of this year, 2019, was this message that kind of like all of our gifts, talents, abilities, capacities were, I guess one way to say is we're going to be returned to us or we were going to awaken to them so that we could 
be this spiritual warrior and we could step forward into, you know, what you refer to as a new age with all of these gifts so that we could not only help ourselves, but also contribute to others and to the planet. So what does that term spiritual warrior mean to you? Mm-hmm. And I'm also, you know, spiritual warrior, and I'm also thinking of it now as a shamanic warrior also, you know, that mm-hmm. these both of these terms are kind of coinciding for me post-books, that it feels that it's also about this shamanic piece. Um and it and it means that you know the warrior definition that we've had in the past has always been about you know protecting ourselves from other and um and this is a shift just a just a slight shift in understanding what the warrior it's been the warrior is you know a, a hero i mean it's the one that defends against the bad people or the ones that are doing harm or the ones that, you know, are, you know, basically the ones that are doing harm or potential harm to ourselves or our community. And so we fight back, you know, to protect. I'm thinking that, you know, that there is, you know, with these times, it's a new kind of warrior. The Tibetan monks predicted that there would be a return in the 20th and 21st century of the Shambhala warrior. And the Shambhala mm. warrior brings that same energy. It's the, it's the energy of compassion in um, know, it's, the, it's, the, it's the energy of compassion, but it's using a different, it can't just be compassion because right now compassion alone is debilitating because we're feeling so much compassion for all the animals that are dying, you know, the species that's going extinct, you know, the children on the border. I mean, all of these, you know, all of these atrocities all over the world, we can be, we can feel immobilized by how much compassion we feel. And so it's difficult to then access that warrior energy, right? Mm-hmm. So the Shambhala warrior, you know, suggests that it's this, it's this compassion, but it's also with the understanding of the higher perspective. And so in some ways my book helps to give that higher perspective so that we then have that be our tool when we are meeting with another, so we see that the other is coming from their own wounds, and they either become the tyrant or the victim. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so from that, then we're birthing a new kind of warrior energy that sees that bigger picture of this separation that's been created across, you know, many generations, seven generations, and then you know, and the native people say. You know, when there's wounding, it it you know it goes back seven generations, mm-hmm. you know, and and it goes forward seven generations. But when we're doing our own healing, and we begin to you know re- release this separation and begin to awaken more and more to our wholeness and to return these parts to ourselves, we come with a new kind of energy, that higher perspective and that that wisdom with the compassion, with fierce a fierce knowledge of right action, you know, so it's clear, you know, hurting yeah. another is not okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. so let's shift gears a little bit. So I did, you know, as I said earlier, I'm not finished with the book, but I did get through the, uh, <laughs> the foreword. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about Baba Mendoza. And what what 
made me curious about him, I actually went, looked him up on Facebook, um, was I used to have, I, I used to live in California, and I would be all over California, the beach here, there. And I, there was this man from Tanzania, and he would always be in spiritual dress, and he had the, like the rings in his lip and his ears, and he would just find me all the time. I could be at a park, and he would just pop up. I could be on another part of California, and he would pop up. And he would always do these little rituals with me, and it was just it was just really interesting and yeah, yeah, fun at the yeah. same time. Uh-huh, but when I yeah. saw the name Baba Mendoza, because that's what I used to call him, Baba. And at that mm-hmm. time, I didn't even know what that meant. But I, now I know it means father. Mm-hmm. So tell us yeah, a little Baba. bit about Baba Mendoza, because I did have a curiosity about him. Um, you know, he is an amazing, um, amazing man, you know, who... Um, has his own story, you know, of awakening and being called mm-hmm. by spirit, by the ancestors, um, to do the do this work, you know, to work with spirit. He uh, works with the water spirits and uh, water nations, um, and he also, you know, of course, the, the plant. He also works with the plant nations. We, he calls them all nations, and talks mm-hmm. about how important it is to heal the separation. He works out of Zimbabwe, but he has traveled around the world for many, many years um, as a peacekeeper. I mean, that's to heal the separation between us and nature, to heal the separation between us and other. And he, um, you know, he's a, um, you know, spirits communicate with him, the ancestors communicate with him to provide messages of healing for the planet. And he uses the dream time. He very much goes into um, analyzing dreams. So, the dreams that we have in the morning, like when I'm with him, the dreams that I bring to him after a night's sleep will very much um, speak to what's going on for, you know, for my healing in relationship to nature. So I have, you know, I was profoundly touched by him, and it's, it's an interesting story because when I first went to the Global White Lion Protection Trust, I had, you know, I did not know I was called in this breathwork to go be with the lions, and I went to Andrew Harvey's um, uh, White Lion um, Warriorship um, weekend, uh, not weekend, but uh, it was a week long. But I knew that I um, I was at that point having some visions with the Bushmen, and I had some, I knew I needed to bring this little vessel of water that a group of us women had danced to f- for healing the planet. So I was already in relationship with water at that time myself, just really not really conscious about it. But as I'm leaving the house, I just like, oh, wait, I need to grab that. I didn't even think about it. It was just like instantaneous. And I brought it to the, you know, with me. And I knew that I needed to do some ceremony on this land for the for the Bushmen, for all of the really atrocities that happened to them on this land. And I met a woman, and you know, um, and we were, she wasn't a part of our tour but she was there visiting the trust and and I sat next to her and she started talking and she told me she was going to visit a man she was going to go pick up a man from the airport who was going to meet a shaman or a shangoma named Krita Mutwa and she named a man but I had no it was Baba Mandaza it was Mandaza Kadimwa but she just said it was a shaman from Zimbabwe I think actually and mm-hmm. and he was going to be introduced to Krita Mutwa for the first time 
so she, you know, she was telling me about him, and she, she, she said, we're going to do a ceremony for the Bushmen. They've never met. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this. I said, I need to do a ceremony for the Bushmen. And I said, I brought some water with me. Would you take that with you for this ceremony? And and she was, you know, she was quite surprised because she said, we're doing a water ceremony. So she had me <laughs> write down every single person that was in that group, you know, including myself and where I'm from in Springfield, Illinois. And she took it with her to do this ceremony. I had no idea that that was Baba Mandasa. So when I mm-hmm. met him, you know, two years later, it was like I, and it was like that was already set, the stage was already set for me to connect with him in Zimbabwe in a very profound way. And, and I was really cracked open. And that's, that's in the book. And now yes. I've been to his house a couple of times working with him. And, con- you know, he wrote the foreword for my book. I feel a really deep connection with this man and, and the service work that he does in the world because it's really powerful, beautiful work of peace. Beautiful. Now, I didn't want to leave out Linda Star Wolf because she is the co-author of this book, (laughs) and she wasn't able to be with us tonight. But I, I, you know, I knew Linda. I think Linda was the connection to you. And there's other names that I just can't, you know, bring to mind right now. But I've I've always had this connection with Linda, and um, so. What my question my question is, how did you two like you know what birth like is there anything you can share about the birthing of this co creation of this book like how did this kind of you had your experiences she had her experiences how did they sync up well they they did near really well I mean both Linda um, Tucker and Linda Starwolf I see as these. I mean, they both are holding this wisdom that was passed on through, you know, an indigenous um, medicine woman, you know, Mm -hmm. the lion and the wolf, you know. So the lion through Linda Tucker and working with Maria Koso, the lion queen of Timbavati, and Linda Starwolf with Grandmother Twyla Nitsch of the Seneca Wolf Clan, both called and connected to these very strong people. I feel like I served as the connector between the two of them, you know, mm. because I identify both with the lion and the wolf, you know, and I don't use it often, but I sometimes take on that, you know, you know, came in a breath work that, to, to be the grandmother lion wolf for me to bring in those energies for myself. Mm-hmm. So my work with Linda Starwolf, she's very Aquarian. And, um, you know, the work that I've done with her and her watching me as I go through and do my own sacred work of dismantling my old programming and healing these parts of myself. And then she was there when I had this vision of the white lion and she had a vision at the same time that I did. We both had similar visions at the same time called by Maria Coso to go to Africa. So we, you know, that was one thing that we shared and it was so strong and she so encourages her students to also step into their, to becoming, you know, more and more the teacher, you know. So through the evolution of our relationship, through, you know, how we co-create with each other, how she learns from me and I learn from her, that 
you know, we're at this place where that book was just wanting to be born. She planted the seed. She said, Carly, I see you writing a book about this stuff. I had no inclination to ever write a book. The book, And then it wasn't just her. Several people said, you're going to write a book. And it was like this book had an initiation of its own. And together, you know, we she supported me, and it just came to life. I mean, it was like it needed to come out, and it needed to come out now because it carries a frequency and a vibration to support these changes that we are in. And, and we just, you know, yeah. She's a great, great, powerful woman who's really... You know, walks or talk with um, this Aquarian summons yeah. it. As you were talking, it just rem- I had a conversation with her years ago. I was I live in Las Vegas and I've been here almost seven years, and it was kind of the tra- transition between California and coming here, and I was kind of lost. And she's like, "Well, you're just going to be a lone wolf for a while." <laughs> <laughs> and she just kind of said, "You'll be fine." <laughs> That was kind of the energy you know, behind but that's, it. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a whole new version of understanding that a lone wolf isn't a bad thing. Sometimes oh, yeah. we need to be a lone wolf, you know? Yeah, I've learned that. But I just remember that was her that were her words of wisdom to me. <laughs> yeah, very cool. So very cool. tell us about, so we have about 15 minutes left in the show. I'd love for you to tell us about the, and please correct my pronunciation, the Ahara Spiritual Community. Well, you know, the Ahara Spiritual Community is a, um, it's sort of like Venus Rising Association, which was, you know, um, uh, birthed by Linda Starwolf is like the mothership. And, you know, Mm -hmm. for people who go through her program, you know, there are certain, you know, um, you know, you have have to go through the program and you have to master apprenticeship and you become a master facilitator. And, you know, for some of us, we then, um, you know, you know, can start, you know, a congregation of Venus Rising. So essentially we are a congregation of Venus Rising. And when I finished with my SHRP process, it was a month-long intensive program. I, you know, came home, and my husband had been actually the one who encouraged me to do this because he had started the work with Star Wolf's former husband, um, mm-hmm. Brad Collins. He's since passed um, on the planet, and he's a beautiful man, and he's now supporting us on the other side. But, you know, my husband went with another man, you know, down to Kansas City to do a program with Brad. And that program, he... My husband, John, had no idea what he was getting into. Of course, Spirit, again, guides us. And he has this big experience with, you know, you know, big emotional breakthrough. And he came home, and out of character for my husband, he said, Carly, I see you and I. I remember sitting on the front porch. I see you and I doing this work together. And he's describing, you know, laying on the floor, breathing the loud, evocative music, and going into this huge vision. I'm like, what in the world is that? You know, I really had no idea. I didn't comprehend it at that point in time. And he goes, I see you and I doing this work together. And I had no clue, no clue, you know. And, of course, I had my little dander up, you know. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But Spirit did guide me to that work, you know. And he started it, actually. And and then when it opened that I could do a whole month long and get that training and become a breathwork facilitator, 
I, I did it, and it was profound, and it, you know, so many, many connections. But I came home, and I said, we're starting a congregation of Venus Rising. And then we did, we, we ended up finding the name Ahara, A-A-H-A-R-A, and um, named it Ahara Spiritual Community of Venus Rising, and it means to breathe. And we have started, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're in our eighth year, um, and seventh year of doing an intensive shamanic healing initiatory process here in Springfield, Illinois, and um, it is growing. You know, more and more people come through this program, and what we offer is a variety of different kinds of workshops. The shamanic healing initiatory process, or SHIP, is probably the most transformative for healing those childhood wounds and lineage wounds. It's very, Mm -hmm. very deep and very powerful. But we offer a lot of other. I'm offering a shamanic multidimensional mystery school with my good friend Judith Corbin Blackburn as part of Ahara. And her book will soon be on, you know, on, uh, published also by Inner Traditions. It's coming out in the spring, and it's going to be a beautiful mm-hmm. book uh-huh. uh, on, uh, on the fifth dimension. I can't remember the exact name of it, but um, <laughs> it's going to be beautiful. I know yeah. it's beautiful. And we also have started a whole new program called the... Um, Shamanic Warriorship Path Program. And right now it's a three-module one to help um, us embrace that warrior energy. So it's a program that's offered, you know, three times a year. I mean, three times a year. The first one focuses on the energy of the lion, the second one on the dragon, and the third one on the eagle. And as our typical energies, as we access that wounded warrior within and bring that wounded warrior up for healing and welcoming home as we develop a new kind of warrior energy within us to be those agents of change right now. And we're um, looking at adding a fourth one um, on the tiger, the medicine Mm -hmm. of the tiger. So each animal brings a certain medicine for us. Um, A new word that I just learned is coessences by Jerry Blanchard, you know, and this understanding that these, these things come to us to help us heal and, um, come back into wholeness. So this is, I mean, those are just a small number of the things that we offer. You know, those are the, probably the, you know, we, we just, um, we do shamanic Reiki. Um, there's another part of it. And, you know, just a lot of different supports. Dream circles, you've mentioned that man on the beach in, in uh, California. <laughs> Madonna yes. used to be in California, and he used to, and I thought maybe you had met him because he used to I do don't Zari. know. All I knew was Baba. That's all I knew. Yeah. He wasn't from Tanzania. <laughs> he was from Zimbabwe, not Tanzania. Yeah. So, but he, he started Dare's, which is this dream circle where we actually see that our dreams, that the dreams that we have are both personal and collective. So the dreams mm-hmm. we have are supporting the collective as well. So oh, yeah, definitely. Talk All a right. little bit, well, Sally. Yeah. Thank you for letting me have that time. Oh, I do want to say one more thing. The other yeah. thing we do is we take people to Africa. And, I was um, going to ask last that year. next. <laughs> oh, good. Cool. I jumped ahead. I didn't want to forget that. No, one. that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, that's all. I have the website in the episode info, but. For anyone listening, anything we talked about, if you have a question or you want to get in touch with Carly, you can send me an email, Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-I, at ShellySpeaks.com, or contact me on Messenger or whatever works, and I'll make sure that I connect you to. So anytime. <laughs> so is there anything else 
you know, I and I really, really encourage everybody to purchase this book. It's a book that you can kind of carry with you, put in your purse and pull out and read, you know, different, you know, each section and kind of just sit with it and allow it to integrate. That's that's how I'm reading it at this time. And is there anything else, you know, about the book, about the work that you do, about Africa, about anything else that you'd like to share with us tonight? Well, you know, the healing, I just, I guess briefly, you know, that this healing is going on, um, you know, along this spine. And right now I'm feeling really called to go to the Mountain Gorillas, you know, which, you know, mm-hmm. is a big connection from my past um, work with, you know, this call for the primates. So that I will be doing that on my own with my husband um, this uh, coming January. And then in the following 2021 in March, we're going to go back to Timbabadi and be with the lions, and then we're going to head down to the Cape and work with the sacred sites down at the Cape. You know, this is an ongoing, and you don't have to travel to Africa, obviously. But some people are called. Mm-hmm. And I guess I want to end with, a, you know, what this, this a sentence from Mandaza, you know, regarding my book. And I think, you know, he read it, and it's a very short foreword. But he says, he says really what I feel, I guess the truth. Mm-hmm. He put in this important story from Carly Mattimore and Linda Starwolf. Our lost humanity is being redirected and reconnected to the only path that can bring true order, freedom, living love, and world peace back to our troubled human society. Beautiful. I think that says it. Thank you so, so much. <laughs> this has been lovely. And again, I encourage everyone to purchase the book. I'm going to continue to take it in and enjoy it and savor it. And I appreciate you taking your time to be with us tonight and sharing all this. I mean, I know it's not new information, but energetically it feels new, like like it's new for a lot of people. That's what I'm perceiving. And it's yes. it's already kind of pulsating and cracking open some <laughs> some closed spaces and you know awakening where it needs to awaken. So thank you so much, and I appreciate you. And I'm looking forward to our paths crossing again. And thank you. Yeah, and, and thank, thank you for all the work you, that Shelley. you do. You're very thank you. welcome. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on your show. I really appreciate you reaching out and asking me to come on. And thank you to all your listeners. Thank you for the work that you do and the light that you are in the world. I really appreciate that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Have a beautiful night. Thank you. You too. All right, everyone. So that's our show for tonight. I've had such a wonderful time. Again, um, you can find the book on Amazon, Sacred Messengers of Shamanic Africa, Carly Matamore, and Linda Star Wolf. And I will talk to you guys next week. <laughs> <laughs>